Hey everyone, welcome to Wake Dad, Drink, Repeat, the podcast that defines today's dad. I'm Anthony Palmer. And I'm Michael Smith. Palmer, what's hindsight? Uh, oh, 2020. Boom! <laughs> we are there, sir. We are, we are. there. We are, man. Welcome we are. To the I end. cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. Hey, did you and uh, you and the rest of the Smith crew have a good uh, good Christmas this year? Dude, yes. It was uh, very joyous. There was a lot of uh, uh, pandemic simplicity to it, if I can say that. It was pretty clean um, and uh, low-key, which was enjoyable. It was kind of par for you know the socialization calendar of 2020 yourself. Yeah, man. A lot of the same. A lot of the same. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. It was nice. We we got uh you know we got surprised with the white Christmas in Knoxville this year, which uh, right was super awesome. That was really yeah, fun. Man. That was um, certainly a gift. And I I don't know the last time me even in the mountains like I don't know the last time I had a white Christmas, dude. Twenty ten um, was the last one here. Really? Um, okay. Then yeah. That was probably mine. That's wild, dude. Yeah. That's crazy. Which is crazy. Um, and it came down. We had like two and a half inches here, man. I mean, yeah. it was like. Yeah. Just for Christmas. It, yeah, Christmas Eve. And then it's yeah, like today, yeah. as we record this Sunday afternoon, it's like starting to finally melt. It was pretty yep. nuts. Yeah, man. Nice little blip. Nice little blip. Was. That was that was the world saying, you get this for Christmas. I was it's like thinking, clean slate. Yeah. Or it's like poisonous snow that's just going to like melt everybody's faces because that would be 2020. I was going like cleansing. This, this was like the world deep cleansing beautification of snow let's do some christmas let's put 2020 full circle in hindsight in hindsight i see what you did there well Mm. anyways um this week on the pod we had our buddy paul humes on paul is a dad to a two and a half year old he's the founder of wild nature play um and he's the program director for uh thorn nature experience in colorado this was a really great episode um, we recorded this, God, like pre-holidays almost, I yeah. think. So it's been yeah. it's been a minute. Um, but one of the things we talked with Paul about that I think is really profound in this episode was um, as somebody who's got a degree in K through six uh, education and has got a lot of experience in the education world, just the impact of 2020 and COVID and what it's going to do on our kids and on our educators. And, um, it, that was a, that was a pretty interesting part of our conversation with him. I connected, uh, connected a lot with Paul, just on who he is, just the world travel, just the outdoors, just, he lives to bring kids outdoors. Um, and, um, yeah, man, I, I felt a strong connection to that cat. Um, legit, legit individual. And thank you, Paul, for hanging around and talking with us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right, well guys, please, Head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, leave us a five-star rating, um, and you can always shoot us a DM or email us and let us know the best way to get some free Wake Dead Drink Repeat swag out to you. And while you're there, be sure to share this week's episode with a fellow dad. Guys, as we close out 2020, just remember, we are an independently run podcast. If you enjoy what you're hearing and you'd like to support the show, please consider uh, supporting one of our affiliate partners. We're going to talk about a couple of them right now. Um, And you can get a full list if you head over to wakedaddrinkrepeat.com. And when we get back, our conversation with Mr. Paul Humes. Man, we have been talking about a kid's book about a ton on the podcast lately, and I think it's because we've just been having a lot of really meaningful but also tough conversations with our kids lately. 
Yeah, couldn't agree more, man. Um, and actually, um, Kids Book About was 10 of their books were selected as um, Oprah's favorite things for 2020. Um, in- awesome for two reasons, man. One, it's amazing recognition for a kid's book about, and two, it's very validating for for the march and the mission that they are on of making kids' books that matter. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Dude, recently I just ordered um, a kid's book about fem- feminism, a kid's book about empathy, and I pre-ordered the a kid's book about technology for Anderson because really those are some pretty central conversations that we're having in the Palmer household right now. And I, I appreciate how a kid's book about takes to those tough conversations makes it digestible for our kids, but also engaging from a parent to be able to read it with our kids and have those like touch points to be able to just talk about, like you said, those meaningful conversations. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Think about uh, all the way back to Jelani's first book that he wrote kids book about racism. Yeah. Have a, yeah. About death, about belonging, about um, anxiety. They, they really towed into some impactful conversations that are important, man. They're important right now. Yeah, you're totally right. So guys, you can head to our website or this week's show notes and you can find a link to learn more and purchase any of A Kid's Book About today. You got it, man. Thank you to Jelani and uh, his entire team at A Kid's Book About for making kids books that matter. Get you a book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, buddy, I had the uh, had the pleasure of getting the old vasectomy the other day. So I've been sitting <laughs> on my ass with, uh, with a frozen bag of peas and I've been thinking... Somebody needs to make a website about what to do when you're recovering from a vasectomy. Not a blog, but like thinking? a straight up website about it with just oh my- tips and tricks and the things to, to eat when you're sitting on the couch board. And if I were going to make that website, you know what I would use? I'm not sure. Please tell me, sir. Squarespace. I would use no Squarespace. No way. <laughs> no way. Well, we use them. We did. We did. So it would be so easy to manage two different websites at once using Squarespace's platform because they just make it that easy. Well, for an amazing cause such as that, um, <laughs> having a website could be viewed as like a necessary evil. And um, so they're the absolute place to go because for people who aren't website people like you and I, they make us website people. So you could just log all your bisectomy information in there with all the images, all the videos you could ever imagine. (laughs) And while you're recovering, you can sit on the couch very easily with your laptop and edit your website. It's, I mean, they could not make it any simpler, man. They have award-winning templates. They have amazing customer service. They truly are the all-in-one website solution. So in addition to like a bisectomy page, if you wanted a page for your business or e-commerce, professional practice, blog, podcast, whatever it might be, I think Squarespace has something to offer you. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Just for our loyal listeners, you can head over to this episode's show notes linked in our description and you can click on the Squarespace link and you can save 10% off your first subscription of a website or domain by using code PARTNER10. That's partner one zero. Just click Amazing. on the link and enter partner 10. Amazing. And you don't, just just to be sure, like you don't have to make it about bisectomies, do you? No, you don't have to. You don't have oh, to. Oh, okay. That's just, no, that's good note. Yeah. Thank you that's for your true. diversity, Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Well, we will jump right in. We are joined today by Paul Humes. Paul is a husband, a dad to a two and a half year old Mirabelle. He's the founder of Wild Nature Play, and he's the program director for the Thorn Nature Experience. Paul, all the way from Boulder, Colorado. Thanks for joining us, man. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, brother. We're 
Super looking forward to this conversation with you across all of our little zoomy zooms tonight. Um, before we <laughs> jump in, don't Paul, start saying. I don't, don't know why start I said saying zooms. I don't. I don't. I, I, I don't hate, condone that. I regret that I said it. <laughs> I hate myself for it. Good, Good talk. talk. <laughs> uh, well, don't do that anymore. Oh, what the fuck? Why did I say that? Anyways, all right, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> well, it's. Time to start drinking more. Mm-hmm. So um, as we do here at Wake Dead Drink Repeat, we start each episode out with talking about what we're drinking on. So, Paul, what you drinking on tonight, man? I have got the Colorado Kid from Odd 13. Ooh. Little brewery up the way. Um, nice. It's labeled as a hazy IPA, but it's actually really malt heavy. And so it tastes to me like a like a ESB. It's a super cool yeah, label. Man, they got some that. fun graphics. Yeah. They have really cool designs, kind of comic booky. Um, yeah. This particular one, they've got all local uh, malt and yeast, which is also nice, cool. dude. And added that's plus. very cool. It's also seven point two. The so heavy boy. We'll see. See what it's like at the end of well, the. Also, a heavy boy. Do, do they do they often get the wrong kind of beer? Is it? Do they often call it a hazy and it's a straight up double IPA? Well, no. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I like the surprise. I don't like to be bound in by labels. Mm, good. <laughs> well played, sir. That's why you're drinking that. Well played. I like that. Palm date yourself. I am on the old reliable. I'm working on my, my desk bottle. Oh, of Jefferson's you, you moved it moment. to the desk. I've, bravo. I'm fully committed to just leaving a <laughs> bottle on the desk at all times now. So it's, uh, you know, it I works. get it, man. I get it. I am uh, on my, I'm done. I'm done proof. I'm finishing my bottle of uh, Woodford right now, um, and there's not much in the glass. However, I do have an airplane backup bottle of Kilbegan's um, Irish whiskey that will be the next one um, for this episode. I know I'll get into it, so it's going to happen. And for people watching this video at home, Mike's hands are just that yeah, this big. Is, it's just, uh... This is a double <laughs> bottle. This is one, one five. Gentlemen. Hello. Gentlemen, cheers <laughs> to three states. Let's have a fun conversation. Cheers, boys. All right. Well, now that we are sufficiently locked and loaded here, Paul, the second thing we do on the show, the main thing we do on the show is we define today's dad. And we do that by asking all of our guests to share their definitions with us. And man, we have been super stoked to hear yours. So please fire away. Well, to... uh to think of today's dad, I, I started to think about yesterday's dad. And when I think about yesterday's dad, I think of both my father and my grandpa. And the, this idea kind of hit me when I was in the liquor store a while ago, um, standing at the wall of beer. And it, it dawned on me, this is not a problem that my grandpa had to deal with. Um, the, the ultimate variety of choices there were. He would likely, and as my dad used to do, walk in, grab his beer and walk out. It wasn't as many choices. You had your favorite and that was it. Now I find myself scanning the aisles, looking at labels, you know, checking flavors, checking alcohol content, and made me realize that today's dad um, is discerning. We're always uh, faced with a lot of choices, be it, um, you know, what kind of beer you're going to drink for yourself or what kind of school you're going to send your kid to, what you're going to spend your free time doing, what you're going to watch, um, you know, the kind of coffee you're going to drink, what matters to you. Right. Um, so you're kind of having to choose each meal or each, each thing. So being discerning, um, knowing 
what matters to you, knowing why it matters to you and why it matters to your family. Um, and I think that's part of the reason you see fathers like ourselves being so much more involved is there's so many more choices to make and so many more decisions to make and to do it on your own would be a challenge. And um, I think today's father needs to step up and or can step up and help make those make those decisions. Oh, dude. Bravo. Great definition, man. Thank you. Amazing comparison to a beer store staring at the wall. Um, On point, dude. Yeah. Absolutely on point. Loved it. And I was just going to say, it's another very unique and new one uh, for us as we, as we move towards wrapping up the year, man. That's, (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yeah, it really is, man. It it speaks a lot to what we're going to be exactly getting into, Paul. Uh, Just, just your life story of how you are incredibly well world traveled individual from Peace Corps to being in 28 different countries to being um, the Air National Guard. Like you are a man of, correct me on any of this where it might be misstepping, but just a, a lot of culture, a lot of perspective, a lot of humble roots. These aren't flashy accolades. This is world education that you're bringing to the table. Also with your company, uh, Wild Nature Play, you're bringing that character trait to this business of getting children outdoors. Like you, you are, you are your today's dad definition of being discerning and being very pragmatic at the choices that you're bringing to your family and your kids. Would you agree with that statement? <laughs> well, actually, I'd love you to continue. <laughs> oh, well, you're welcome, sir. <laughs> you're, you're making please, me sound please very sit good. Back right and enjoy this. <laughs> I know all that about, I never put it that way. Thank you. Oh, yes. Um, no, I would, I would agree. Um, discernment, and, you know, the choices I've made about my trajectory have been very intentional, although I never knew exactly what I was headed towards um, or still don't in a lot of ways. But there was a there was a lot of um, should I stay or should I go? Should I dig into what I see around me or should I go and find something different? And I'm so happy that I did that time that I did, because now being a father, being a husband, you know, the, the opportunity to go and do those things becomes less. And so I really, I sit back and I think about those experiences a lot and it, it shaped who I am and what I'm trying to do with my daughter. And How much in those things. experiences, Paul, do you think, cause so you, you and I talked a couple of weeks ago um, and, and, you know, preparing for you to come on the show and I got thrown with you and I immediately called Mike and was like, dude, this is going to be a really great conversation. This guy's like right on our level, like super, you know, not on the surface, like can definitely tell that I think you probably overthink shit to the moon like we do. Um, and so it, it, as we were, you know, working on our outline for this, I was thinking about this specific question, like how much did those, your experiences of traveling around the world and whatnot prior, prior to you having kids, how much were you taking in and kind of preparing for that? You think like subconsciously or consciously of just this, like you, you don't seem like somebody that um, is, is all for just kind of like floating with the current. Like it seems like, you know, like there's some idea of standing out and, and, and making your own path. Like that had to have shaped that for you. Right. Yeah. A method to the madness. Um, you know, I don't want to claim there was some grand design that would be sure. I'm listening. Yeah. But you know, I knew and I know what I want, which is to be of service to my community. Um, 
and to be of service to my family and my lineage, you know, both of my, the people who've come before me and those who will come after me. And so I want to contribute myself um, and the best possible version of that. And so I think I realized that I really need to peel myself away from my comfort zone in order to find out who that was, um, find out what my gifts were. And I mean, it really was a fire, uh, you know, the, it was a, it was a journey. It, you know, the, the, the pictures are amazing. My st- stories, I, I could go on about fun adventures that I've had, but there was a lot of difficulty in there, a lot of soul searching and a lot of um, depth and, you know, seeing really difficult things and feeling really lonely a lot of those times. Um, and so within me, there was always the want for a companion, the want for a bigger purpose, um, the want for a vision of what my life will be. And so that was a lot of it. Um, that was a lot of what that was. And so, sure. um, yeah. And so I'm happy for it. And I feel like that's kind of what we're trying to do in raising our daughter is live by example. Um, and really show her two individuals, my wife and myself, who, you know, kind of step up to the tough questions, step up to the tough situations. And, you know, we can say, hey, we did this. You know, I don't know what it's going to look like. It doesn't make any sense right now. Like to, on this day, this conversation's wonderful. Um, but it doesn't always, I don't ever, I, I can't ever know what it's going to amount to. But I have great faith that it will amount to something that I can be proud of because of the way that it's done. So easier said than done, right? Like yeah. that's the that's the end game, right? For all of us is to, yeah. to to be proud of that, to leave that, and I think that's the you know, like we said at the top, you've got a you've got a two and a half year old, um, you've got a you've got a lot ahead of you. I've got a nine year old, and I've got a two and a half year old, and there's there's a lot of road to go with the two and a half year old still, you know, of just the like I think about it all every day with my son, like just how absorbent absorbing of everything they are right now. Like, I mean, they're just freaking sponges, you know? I mean, it's everything you do, they're copying and saying back. I mean, it is <laughs> my, my mom, if she listens to this episode will murder me, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyways. I was, uh, was FaceTiming with her the other day and she was telling me this story about something that had happened. She goes, you know, I mean, they were just being such a dick and, Oliver was sitting right there. <laughs> he just looks at me and goes, such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's such a, I mean, it's such a horrible example, but it's like, I mean, that's they're just funny. where they are. I mean, they're, they are absorbing everything that's going on around them right yeah, now. Indeed, man. But, yeah, but the technique, the technique I've been using is when she drops something, goes, damn it. <laughs> I go, I don't, I don't know that word. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. What that good. That's good. That's good. So, so you are, you started wild nature play and I'm going to, I'm going to read from your website. Um, wild nature play LLC is about helping children find the joint experience, the benefits of outdoor play. Clearly it's a fundamental trait of you. And clearly it's a fundamental trait of you as a father. Um, what took you to wanting to blend this and share it with your community? Um, honestly, we've probably already answered this and covered this, but like what, what draw, brought you to actually making it more of a thing uh, 
than what you said of honoring your, you being a dad and your, your dad and your grandfather. You know, I've wanted to have my own project for a very long time. I've helped a lot of small business over owners over the years, um, kind of develop their business and manage businesses for them. And so I've seen what that looks like to be, you know, it's not a big corporation. It's, it's on a small scale and you get to build the relationships and you get to really shape what the product is. And um, I've been terrified of that quite honestly. And I've always, I've been looking for a reason to do it. Um, I'm, I really like working with youth. I, I, I got a K through six elementary degree. Um, I've taught all over the world. I've taught all kinds of different mediums. Um, and I came upon wilderness skills and outdoor education and was hooked because it was very easy for me to connect with it personally. I wasn't lying. I uh, wasn't teaching a lesson that I didn't believe in or didn't understand why I was teaching it. It wasn't rote. Uh, I was really learning. I learned constantly through that. Um, and so I, I found this medium as a way to inspire and teach kids. You know, I know a guy who teaches juggling. It could be juggling, right? <laughs> It doesn't. So I that that is the way to connect with with kids, and so I've I've I redirected my life when my daughter was born. Actually, in the hospital room, a guy I used to work with called me and told me about a job managing a program, and I was I was currently doing something in tech and business, and I just saw the writing on the walls. Like if I get really successful, it, the more success I get, it's just going to be that much harder to tear away. And so I quit that, and then I quit um, that line of trajectory a week after my daughter was born. And then my wife, wow. really, big leap, man. It, it was uh, my wife. Yeah. My wife supported me, um, <laughs> by not, by not killing me. Um, yeah. and that's fair. So then I kind of, there, there was this, um, this path of, okay, so what is, you know, how do I put my money where my mouth is? I applied to the job that the, the guy suggested and um, didn't get it. But then that ultimately led me to the job that I'm currently in now as the program manager at Thorne in Boulder, Colorado. And this isn't answering your question necessarily, yeah, but yeah, so I've, I've put myself in a, a firmer trajectory towards education, towards outdoor education, towards mentoring youth. And how the, 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 the tipping point to get to wild nature play was I was, it was my first summer camp, um, my first summer camp at this job. Um, it was, I was at Chautauqua, which is a park in Boulder, Colorado, one of the most visited parks ever. It's gorgeous. And I spent a week with this group of 12 kids and one of the kids, powerful, um, like incredibly powerful spirit, um, just wanted to lead everything. And then also was really, you know, a tough kid to manage at times because he wanted to be in charge so much. So at the end of the week, you know, feeling good first summer camp week of this first group at this new job. And, um, I told my buddy, I was like, that kid over there, he's either going to be an incredible leader or he's going to be an incredible asshole. And it all is going to depend on the mentorship he receives. And as I was driving home, I was like, that's what I do. Like, that's, that's what I want to offer. Um, and so I started reaching out to these families that I, um, had worked with that I felt matched the reason that I enjoy it, which is 
you know, really, really great um, kids, but like they can't find their niche. And, you know, the first job I had in at wilderness skills, when I got into outdoor ed proper from, from teaching, from traveling and all that, um, we'd have parents coming up to us in tears. I don't know what you're doing. This is working. Like we've been to four schools. My kid's not fitting in whatever you're doing here, please just keep doing it. And then I realized that that's why that medium really works for a certain set of kids, actually for everybody at a certain level, but especially for those kids who aren't finding the, the way in the kind of normalized education system and the normalized. So, Paul, put a pin right there for a second and, and back up for, for those listening who don't know when you're talking wilderness school, outdoor ed, like give a, give a brief kind of, it's more than just like your preschool program where your kid's outside doing the outdoor preschool thing. You're there. There's a little more methodology behind what you're doing. Right. Yeah. And within that subset, of course I could go ever. So I'll try to keep it basic. When I talk about outdoor education, I talk about nature connection, which to me leads to personal connection of self, which leads to connection with your peers. It's kind of a, it's using nature and it's, it's, it's beauty. It's, it's intricacies, it's curiosities to, um, to really instruct. Um, so you're teaching my kid how to make a fire, but in that process, you're connecting with them about them feeling flooded with anger all the time or them feeling there's like a, they don't there's a, they, there's a therapy component to that but even at a more basic level i'm teaching your kid how to build a fire i'm teaching your kid how to build a shelter but really i'm a, an adult modeling wow look at that leaf look at those veins in that leaf you know i'm not teaching what the name of the leaf is necessarily i'm teaching the kid to look at it to notice it, you know, we, we go mm-hmm. down, we go through life with our heads down so much. Um, you know, there's meditation practices where you notice your breath. And then once you're looking at the leaf, you have an opportunity to notice your breath and notice your feet and wow, it's kind of cold. And which way is the wind blowing? Hey, did you hear that bird? Wow. My view is getting a little bit bigger. Did you see that thing scurry across? And then, so you start to observe and then the names of things come after. And so at my level, by no means am I a wilderness expert by any chance. Like I'd be, you know, I've been lost in the woods before. Um, <laughs> I'm not the guy that's gonna, like get out. I want, I'm, I know the guys that'll get you out and that's kind of how I position myself. But, um, you know, I'm teaching just kind of that wonder and all. Okay. Does that make sense? And, and then there's a lot that comes after that. And there's a lot of ceremony right. and storytelling that all goes around that. And that's kind of everybody's unique flavor or that's, you know, as a, as an outdoor educator, you, you bring your unique flavor based on your interest because you can't fake it. Yeah. You, I mean, you can kind of fake it but at a certain point. You, get, you can't really fake it. So you got to bring yourself, you got to bring your skill set, And then you're just, it, you're curious the whole time. Cause when you're out and exposed outside, you can't, you can only be curious because things happen to, you know, the founder of my organization is 92 uh, Oak Thorn started in 1954. He's still out working um, every day. And he, he's curious. I mean, he's the most curious guy, you know, so it's, it's, it's inspirational. You know, you don't have the answers. You go out and just 
experience. It's self-awareness, it's curiosity, it's the it's the concept yeah. of wonder, it's the concept of asking questions at a certain point of building the fire, it's self-reliance, it's it's self-reliability, it's self-worth, it's accomplishment. Like there there are so many boxes that get checked from anything from a hike to to building a fire and that that's outdoors 101 i mean we haven't gotten into anything complicated either um, but it, it but what i love so about that concept though is it's think about that on the scale of parenting right oh, because very much there's so. so much of that it's very that, hand in hand that is it's this idea of teaching a lesson without yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. specifically talking about that sure, lesson, right? Sure, it's a whole, sure. it's the parables. Sure. If, if you want to take it from a biblical standpoint type deal thing, right? Or it's, it's the way in which the Stoics would talk about things for us. Like it's this idea of yep. kind of feeding the concept without really diving in, you know, like Paul, like you were saying, I mean, it's more, it's more about why do leaves look the way that they do and why do they work? They do than it is as an Oak tree or, or a maple leaf or whatever. Like that's all important shit too, but it's, it's the process. It's the journey. It's understanding it all. And I think that's a, it's a really great, um, like I said, it's, it's a great kind of bridge to the whole fatherhood. It's also fundamentally us as a society a thing that lacks and not just like us but worldwide oh, yeah. it's, it's probably like us in nature is the most fundamental thing that every developed country is they we step away from more than we step into or lean into um because we have this but even well, before that and- um it's it's become a not talking about the three of us but it, it's very much a people will go on their annual family camping trip but like that that's the outdoorsness of outdoors families, right? Um, it's it's very it's very rare to see the day in and day out be outside, be in the woods, disconnect, um, and, and experience experience. It's uh, I wish it happened more. But you live in Boulder, I live in Asheville. Like we live in these bubbles where we think that it's large and in charge. Um, the, the where I, I wish it was bigger than it was. Right and. You know, everybody gets to experience life the way they choose to. Yeah, very um, well said. I think yeah. the, to go back to the discerning point, there's not a lot out in the forest, out by the creek, that's trying to get your attention, trying to call you. Like, if and if it is, it's it's important. Um, like, there's no marketing trees aren't. They don't really have a marketing scheme. Oh, God, what if they were? Uh, <laughs> that pissed me off so hard. You know, <laughs> bodily, it feels really good not to be screamed at, you know, like mm-hmm. um, not to be called attention to. So even if it's just, that's how I spend my time. That's I don't, great. I'm yeah. not an apologist by any stretch of the imagination. I just go and rewind. Um, man, the, you know, I, as a program manager, I spend a lot of time on the computer. Yeah. You know, the irony yeah, of sure. not very actually on the computer yeah. a ton. And there was a stint there where I went for a couple weeks with like out re- without really getting outside much. Um, and I think my daughter was feeling it. I was feeling it. We were all feeling it. And so I picked my daughter up from daycare and I took her to our favorite Creek. We hadn't been there in a while. And man, I took my shoes off. She took, we just knew exactly what to do. I went and stood in the Creek and looked up at the trees and my, my daughter just, you know, dug around in the rocks and got wet. And 
it was it it just completely shattered. Yeah, yeah. Clarity. And I call it shedding the wonks, right? Yeah. Like smashing like the reset that. button, right? Like you know, it's like that hike. You know, when you're going on a hike or you're going on a walk, like you're carrying all that stuff with you. Beginning, of, it's not like you you don't get to the hike and it's all good. It's like you're kind of oh that woman pissed me yeah. off and you're, you're still walking and then all of a sudden you're like maybe a quarter mile in mile in whatever it is and you're like oh wait i feel yeah. better like that's yeah. it's like it's like it's like a moment yeah. like that well the day when oak trees are wrapped with geico commercial ads i'll be pissed so <laughs> so you're you're I'm going to take this to like what you, what your past was and into your dad phase, like your, your discernment, all of your choices that you've made. I love, I, I, it connects with me 1000% 10 times over. It really does now move. And, and you, you lived a younger life in a chapter in which I did more. I wish I did the Peace Corps. I really do. I wish I went to 28 countries. I did not. Um, I wish I had that level of self dedication and discernment of my direction. I really do. Now you're a dad. Where are you going? You, you've done this professionally in your past. Like how, what does this mean to you to be in your level of choices and where you are in this world? Like what does it mean to be now in a parental role for your kid? You know, can't fuck this one up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Episode title. <laughs> <laughs> but but Mirabelle's got to be like, you have to have some level of every single thing we talked about of, of being aware of what's important and what's not important, if I can say it so clearly. What's noise in life and what's not noise in life. And your ability to pass that on organically to Mirabelle has to be very empowering. And you have to be very proud of your position right now to be able to hand off something so powerful to your kid. Oh, it's such an honor to be a father. Um, it's, you know, I take it very seriously. It's yeah, I take it very seriously and I want to connect the moments that I have with her now with all the moments that have come before us and all the moments that are going to come after and kind of seeing it that way. Um, in 2000 and I won't say what situation prompted me to write this, but (laughs) before I had kids, I wrote a story to my great, great grandchildren, you know, didn't even, we weren't even trying to have kids at that point, but I was very sad. (laughs) And it had to do with, you know, a a political change that happened. So I wrote it, I wrote a, uh, story, you know, if you can be happy, if you're smiling at this time, like, you know, know that there was a time when it felt very bleak and it will get better. And just so remembering that, that there's ebbs and flows and it's things, things happen and you can recover. And so you probably um, just lost Mike. He's a huge Trump supporter. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Not true. Not true. It felt, it felt, yeah, exactly. And it, it, it felt, it, for some people, I'm sure that felt wonderful and they have no idea what you're talking about, but it's, it's emotional. Right? Was it, so was for, it four years ago? Oma, was it, was it four? It was, it was, a, it was, it was when Trump was elected. Four years ago, really one month confused. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There you I go, was, doing math again. Yeah. Math, but, Michael said. 
Yeah, dude, it was a, it was a weird time. I was actually at Palmer's house drinking a lot of bourbon uh, that night uh, four years ago. It was a it was a very wow. confusing time in the world. Yeah, very confusing. And now you know, I can honestly say that we're all here. You know, things aren't the way that they used to be, but we're surviving. But some want, of us aren't, not, and that's the shit of I it. To, <laughs> I did not want to intertwine that fucking election and my story of my fathering. Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just I Palmer had and to, I are really know, good at digging up all of us. No, it's cool. But it like I want to connect those two things together. And now each moment, like I see because I'm involved in child development and youth development, like I start to see my kid like hit these milestones and like ask a different question and I kind of hear the tenor in the question a little bit different like it's new it's exciting it's curious like I'm I'm incredibly curious about the whole process um and also like it's deeply personal and I'm deeply human and I fail a lot at it um but if I can continue to come back to curiosity I feel like I'll at least be on her level um my daughter's level you know because she's infinitely curious so at least there, have I love that you just said that like that at the end because I think there's such a um and, and we're constantly breaking down that barrier on this show at least of you know talking about our faults talking about our flaws um and it, it we hear it so much in people's today's dad definitions of vulnerability admitting your fault like uh, you know and, and just that evolution of a of a more than just a father but as a man like really just the ability to just own your shit you know and you're not always right you're not always perfect and that's okay um it's more than okay it's actually really good because it's how you grow and it's how you learn right yeah the healthy healthy masculinity is what word came to mind as you're saying that's that. good I yeah like and i i think that um that level of humility for our kids of, of just, you know, I don't always know the answer, but I'm really glad that you asked me that question and let's go figure it out together. Or like, you know what? I totally shit the bed on how I handled that situation. And I'm sorry that I talked to you that way or that I did that or whatever. And like, I'm still learning too. you know, like there is, there is such merit in being able to talk with your kids about that kind of stuff. It's not equalizing them. And you wrote about this in your, in your, um, our, our, you know, our questionnaire form that we send out beforehand of this, this balance of like, kid can't be your best friend. You still got to be their parent, but there's also this, like this element of humility. We set, we are the best example for our kids. Right. And that example is made a mistake. I'm sorry. We learn, we grow, we move on, you know, and that's so important. I'm reading an interesting book right now called The Carpenter and the Gardener. It's about child development. And oh, the most terrifying thing is, you know, kids learn more from us than we actually are trying to teach them. They learn everything that we're doing. You know, they hear our, the, they hear our voice Terrif- and how we say Terrifying and empowering confident. or, uh, yeah. So a, lo- a lot of different emotions. It, no, just terrifying. <laughs> I mean, it, I guess what what that for me means is that I can't like turn it on and off. It's got to be a fundamental, it's got to be a fundamental buy-in. Like I have to really change the way I, it's, it's, um, it's not really 
really, you know, popular word we learned in Boy Scouts. It's the integrity, right? It's not the, it's not what we do when everybody's looking. It's what we do in the background because that really shapes how we act. And I, I appreciate you naming the, you know, naming our failures. You know, last night I had a bad, you know, had a bad story time. Daddy got upset because he really didn't want to be doing it. And, she, you know, she wouldn't stop jumping. And well, so you can only read so many fucking Berenstein Bear books before it, like, it just doesn't make sense anymore. Was that, that was that I your story? Even, that was mine. I didn't know if that, that's what happened in your household too. <laughs> I couldn't even get to the book last night. She wouldn't <laughs> oh, stop gotcha. jumping. Jeremy's on so we can read the story <laughs> and then you know so <laughs> so and, I did I, I calmed down my wife was able to support me in that too I went and sat down and then after bedtime was done with my wife who stepped in like a you know like a hero I was able to walk in and say hey I'm sorry daddy you know I was upset like, I lost my patience and just the look in her eyes like she totally forgave me and it felt awesome um, the ability of yeah. sheer self-awareness and the ability of us. And I think this is a, a big concept of what a today's dad is. The, the ability to recognize and be vulnerable and call ourselves out on it and be okay with calling ourselves out on it. And honestly, y- you said it, we're always on, right? Even when we're not on. Like, so what that does is put us in check all the time. And as long as we're good enough to realize that, sometimes it'll be in hindsight. As long as we're good enough to call ourselves out on it and move forward, um, that that's that's what that's what that's what it's all about. It really is. So I do a um, I kind of I do like a reflection every day, more or less. It's not a in a not a religious way necessarily, but just like kind of my own thing. And my literally my one from today was as we're sitting here talking about this. I said. Today has felt like an alternate universe from the day Anderson and I had yesterday. It was a lot of her, but there was also some failures on my side. Like, I mean, that was my, that was how I started it today. You know, just this. Yep. I know I fucked up too, you know, but it's, and that, that's the, that's the growth potential. Like that's the shit that, and I think it's, I mean, so much of this is that education piece. And I think it's so relevant that we're having this conversation with, with you, Paul, with your background and everything, but it's like, how better to learn? How better to talk about it? We rode, it was cold as shit here this afternoon. And Anderson and I got on our bikes and we were riding our mountain bikes around in the cul-de-sac this afternoon on her lunch break. Cause we're doing virtual learning. And we were, there's a whole bunch of rocks on the side of my house that cut in between my yard and the neighbor's yard. And I took the bike down my bike down it and was like, you can't do this. Cause you don't have a helmet on. I wasn't wearing a helmet. I was kind of laughing with her. And, uh, you know, but we're, we're getting done with it. And we're walking the bikes back up the hill to the house. And I was just talking with her about yesterday. And I was like, man, I, you know, this is where I feel like I failed yesterday. Like, what were your thoughts on this situation? And I mean, it was just, we, we got to have that moment and that clarity with each other. And it was a good moment for, I mean, I felt like it was a good moment for us. I hope she does too, you know, but, um, well, I think seeing, seeing like admitting failure is a huge piece. Like it takes it out of the dark, right? Like teaches, I think that's what teaches our kids so much is we're going to mess up and then we're going to own it and we'll talk it through and we're not going to bury anything under the carpet. It's, 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 you kind of just say it and then you relieve it and you don't have to, you don't have to carry it anymore. 
Well, and I think the environment in which you're able to do it, like I think we've we've talked so much on the show about, um, you know, engaging in your kids' passions and their their things with them and not always bringing them on your level. So it's not the traditional, like, we're going to go throw a baseball because that's what dad... And, like, there's absolutely fucking nothing wrong with that. So I'm not trying to come across <laughs> that way, but when you... You're defending throwing a baseball. It's okay, buddy. You can say it. <laughs> when you, no, my point is... When you meet your kids, it goes back to what we've talked about a thousand times. When you meet your kids where they're at. So like, I know my daughter really loves to ride her bike. I didn't plan on us talking about any of that, but we just went outside to go ride our bikes around. And it's a safe environment in that setting to talk about things because we're just doing other stuff. We're focusing on it's cold, but it's sunny. It's pretty. Look at the ice on the grass over here. Look at this. We're talking about other stuff. We're outside and it's this non it's you're very you feel very safe in that sense there's not a lot of vulnerability from a standpoint of feeling like the walls are closing in on you like you can just have a conversation and absorb what you hear on both sides keep doing what you're doing talk about it absorb what you hear there i mean it's just it's that those are those moments in parenting that i feel like we um you, everything that you've, you're talking about from the outdoor piece. Like I, I think about how many great conversations I had with my dad when we went backpacking, when we got on our road yeah. bikes, when we would be working on my grandfather's farm. Like it just, like those are those times when you just talk about a lot of shit because you're outside yeah. and you're not distracted or held down by other things, you know? It, it's what you, what, what it's sounding like to me is, you know, it's the opportunity to have those moments, no matter what it is, throwing the base, of course, like throwing the baseball is like the idyllic. One. Right, 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 hey, right. Like, yeah, the bully at school today, like, uh, <laughs> it's, like it's whatever the, it's whatever the opportunity is. Um, and to me, that's what the discernment is with all the flashing lights that Spot we have. On. Yeah. To me being outside and like just getting to the Creek is that decompression. It's just that moment. And like the actual, the conversation is not happening when we're sitting by the Creek so much because we're just, we're, you're in that moment then, right? In that moment, and then it's the, it's the, the spaciousness has been created and the, the conversation happens at dinner afterwards. <laughs> so it's your cliche. It's not about the destination. <laughs> it's about the journey kind of deal thing. Right. But I mean, but that's really, that's the reality of the situation, right? Like there's, it's about throwing the pigskin with my boy. That's all that it's about. People have, forgotten the People have we, we've forgotten the choice that doing nothing is an option and like, mm-hmm. do, or, you know, going to the Creek and just really not engaging in anything is an option when, you know, another big piece of getting, you know, starting wild nature play was, you know, I'd stand next to parents when their kids are playing and every, like, just like you said, like, I remember my dad and I, we would go outside every, every adult that I've encountered that has a kid is like, yeah, when I was a kid, we used to just go and climb up in the tree and stay up there for hours. And you're like, well, well, don't you want that for your kid? Like, I know that's why you're at my camp, but isn't that, isn't that what you want for your kids as well? And like, and it's, so it's kind of just a reminder, like those things are still there. They don't cost anything. They're actually, you know, very healthy for you. And, you used to do this in a kid, remember? Tell me about the story when you were a kid. Now go give that to your kids. That was exactly my next question. Like you you do this for kids that has to play and reverberate on so many levels to the parents. Like how are you able to equip parents 
that are finding or looking for guidance, or clearly they've come to you to put their kids outdoors. That sounds so fundamentally simple. I'm like, but there's a disconnect in the parents' ability for them to find that. Um, so, like, how? What are tools that you're able to give to parents? So, you know, that's what Wild Nature Play also is, and also, you know, just it's my job doesn't exist if this generation gap doesn't happen. Like in the six seventies and eighties, even in my youth in the nineties, like I had an out, out till dinner childhood. Like I didn't have to learn how to play. No one had to go teach me to build a shelter. Mm -hmm. I, I taught myself. It's not the kids that need the training. Like you, Correct. a mentor with a background. I actually tell my instructors, everyone's so over trained and like what you're supposed to do with kids. Like, I actually have to train my instructors not to do anything. You go, I tell my instructors, you go, you know, bring your guitar, bring your pad of paper, bring your knife to whittle. You go sit off in the corner and just make sure the kids don't kill themselves. And then they're going to do fine. Um, like it's what, the, what really is needed is a fundamental shift in our viewpoint as adults, the gatekeepers to all that is like permissible. Um, so that we just give the kids the opportunities to be kids and to learn. They are natural learners. They're naturally curious. Like I don't have to be like, I don't have to give them anything. I have to give them the terrain. I have to give them those permission. And that's what, you know, that's what I want to inspire parents. So to push do. on that a little bit though. You've got a background in K through six education, like your job you've learned and you're not your job. Your schooling was to figure out how to educate kids. You're not sitting in a traditional classroom the way in which that education was put down upon you. And I'm not saying that in a negative way at all. There's, there are fucking phenomenal teachers that sit in a classroom. There are, there's great strategies behind that, that there's a lot that's needed there. Um, but you chose to not be there. You chose to see the opportunity to do something else. So somewhere along the lines, we've gotten not off track, but it just, I mean, it's crazy as you're sitting there saying that. I mean, I, I was, I literally was texting my mom the other day and was like, I find it, and my mom's got a degree in uh, her master's in, in uh, special ed. She taught at the Tennessee school for the deaf for years. So she's a former educator that's been in it for a long time. And I was saying to her, I'm like, I find it phenomenal that I'm having to try to teach my nine-year-old how to go play right now and not be dependent upon me to play with her. You know, and a lot of that's COVID and not being with friends and there's so much other shit there. Well, that's, that's, but it's like, you know, there's young teens at, at the, my original camp that I worked at um, when I was in college, you know, I hear that they have trouble with counselors. They have to, they have to program their summer camp weeks because the counselors that are coming in don't have the ability to be imaginative and creative to fill the time. On yeah. Which is, which is that's that's nerve-wracking to me but to not nerve-wracking but you know, that's cautionary um the my personal journey and i want to like i have so much admiration for folks in teaching right now actually i read a, a really good new york Times article recently about they just got a bunch of good interviews from teachers that are operating during the pandemic and i, I i'm a school programs manager so i communicate with hundreds of teachers i i so much admiration. I don't it think there's so much credit. I don't think you would have a hard time finding a pool of teachers who would agree with me that the system is the thing that is really broken, right? The expectations that we put on children, yeah. 
So yeah. it, I got, I hit, I hit that at an early age. I graduated with my degree. I was working at a school and I'd go to like the Friday breakfast with the old timers um, before school. And I'd hear politics and I'd hear complaints. And I can't tell you the number of times I heard Paul had been teaching for 30 years. And these last few have been the worst of my career. And that I was like, well, that, that doesn't sound very good to me. And, you know, I had already applied to the Peace Corps. And so I went and taught in Thailand and Thailand is a, um, it's in Asia, let's state the obvious in Asia. They have a, they have a, um, <laughs> it's just directly yeah. South of Tennessee, right? If I'm right, it's South of Tennessee. <laughs> Just, you know, yeah, head to the airport and just, you know, grab a drink and you'll be there. Um, but their, 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 their method of education is what I kind of unlearned during my K through six education, which is rote memorization. You know, they're very teacher centered, right? Rote memorization, teachers write, do what we're told. Uh, corporal punishment was still active at the schools that I was in. Um, and so I saw really where education had come from. And I've juxtaposed that to the education system in the United States. And it, it really didn't look that different to me. Like we call it different, but yeah. what I saw was also a lot of rote memorization, teaching to the test. It wasn't like this creative student centered approach that I was told was the way that education was in the United States. It was, it was still kind of constrained. So I thought I'm not doing that. And then I, you know, went and managed a hostel and, you know, traveled the world. And, you know, I did my own thing there. But when I got, when I got home, I knew that um, managing, or excuse me, being in a classroom in a public school, although I love public schools, I believe in them. Um, I love teachers. I, I, I didn't think that my contribution was going to be from within those walls with those 25 kids. It just not that I couldn't, or it's not a worthy thing. It just wasn't my path. So I went and sought a different method, and that's where I've, this is where I've landed. Do you think? Do you think the fast forward to the world of today and COVID? Do you think the world of COVID has long term affected kids and education? And we'll we'll, well stay in the world of younger than fifth grade. Yeah, well, yeah, take your K through six yeah, yeah, and answer great. that on yeah, the kids' yeah. side and the and the education piece in general of teachers, the system like you were just talking about. How how do you feel that this has changed or impacted the future of all of that? Um, so I'm actually our organization has learning pods. So we have about 35 kids who come to us on a every day, um, broken into five pods of seven. It's smaller now numbers have dwindled a little bit, but, um, I see them on their computers every day. I can't imagine that there's not going to have long-term effects because of what I hear from parents, the parents who are pulling their kids out, not because we're failing as an organization to provide what we said we were going to provide, which is a safe place for them to learn. And then also to get them outside when we can, I'm hearing from parents that their kids are hating school. We all, you know, that I don't, I wish it's common to hate school. That shouldn't be the case. That's what it right. is. But more so now the kids are burning out. Um, right. And I think that, yeah, it's going to be hard to bring them back. 
to appreciating learning to even the level that we had before. Um, and then, you know, I, I started this joke really early and it's actually kind of starting to scare me, which is, well, why does grandpa make us take a shower and spray us down when we come over? Well, honey, mm-hmm. he grew up during COVID mm-hmm. times. Things were different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going to have these great depression ticks, yeah. like, you know, burying our money in the backyard. Yeah. What are ticks that we're going to have? And definitely, I think they're absolute kids are absolutely going to have. Now there's an opportunity, right? We're at a precipice within chaos. There's an opportunity. We could slide either way. Biden. Um, I think the education. For the win. Yeah. I, I'm I'm really curious to see that the education piece. I you know I think kids, I think kids are pretty freaking resilient. And I and I'm I am saying all this as a dad of a nine and a half fourth nine and a half year old fourth grader that I think was kicking ass at the start of virtual learning. And from a school standpoint, from a sheer education grades, completing work understanding the concepts, all that is still doing great. I'm seeing a lot of backsliding on the emotional social piece. Right. And that, that was a risk that my wife and I made. It was a, you know, it was a calculated risk. It was a choice. Um, but that was where we are. She's going back to school in January because the kid freaking needs that interaction. It's going to change our COVID safety precautions as far as, seeing my grandfather, seeing her grandparents at times. Like, I mean, there's going to be some changes there, right? Um, that's absolutely, that's absolutely it. And I think from the teacher vantage that's point, the, that's, that's what is the biggest concern is that social emotional. And from my vantage point and from everyone that I know that works with kids, I have no doubt in the resiliency of an individual human. Yeah. What worries me is the system and what it decides to grasp onto. Yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with the individual. They could, they'll, they'll go with whatever system they're put in. They'll, they'll will swim in whatever waters they're put in. Um, and so my, my worry, and that, and that is, that is also the outdoor education piece. Like the individual can build resilience if yeah. put in, given the opportunity in which to thrive. Um, if given the permission to challenge themselves, what waters do we allow them to swim in? You know? And I think that's going to be the parents advocating to the schools that gets to the districts and on up. Stop grading my kids right now. They need emotional support. Their teacher needs to be their friend right now. I'm sorry. So, I want them to learn science, math, history, and art. But my kid is really struggling right now. So please allow them to be get support. That's what I would ask. My daughter is um, ex- wickedly um, – I hate to say smart because I just don't – I don't like that yeah. word when it comes to our kids. Yeah. No, but it's – but so she's, she's extremely curious and she works really hard, right? I mean she – all of that applies. She is also very smart, but she's smart because of those things. She had her first B that I think I've ever seen her get in science this year. And it really was be- this semester, this quarter. I thought and it was were like honestly because failing. she, I didn't know they were even grading things. Mm-mm, no, they are. But, but it was because some of her assignments didn't get submitted. 
And I know she did them because I remember specifically helping her with some of those. And she just didn't, you know, it's like a four step process of like complete it, submit it, submit it here. And what, and like, man, that's fine. Like it is what it is. I emailed her teacher and was like, Hey, I know she did these assignments on time because I remember helping her with these. And like, we just redid them and resubmitted them. And if we can get partial credit, great, whatever. And her teacher emailed me back and was like, you know, Hey, I'm not accepting grades. It's too late. You know, and she's in fourth grade. And my whole thing was, and not that, not that the grade piece doesn't matter. I don't care that she got a B. She could have gotten C. I could give two shits. My frustration with that situation was this is a kid doing virtual learning. Right. We're X amount of months in at this point. I'm coming to you as a parent saying, I know she did it once. We sat down and did it again a second time together and submitted it again because as a parent, I felt like that was the right thing to do to show here we are doing this. And you're giving me some boxed in answer of I'm not accepting. I can't accept grades for that Dude, assignment. That pisses anymore. me off Bullshit. for so many reasons. Bullshit. But like, it, I mean, it's exactly what you were just saying, Paul. It's like, it's a system latching on to know, something, whatever they choose to exploit. That's what will happen. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> There's it's, gotta be a line and somewhere. And I don't know that teacher, but no, I've I been, and she has great. Te- I love her teachers. They're, I've they're, been in that teacher meeting. I've put, I've right. like I've given the teacher meetings, like, you know, we're all, we all have bosses, you know, right. like we need to change, right. bosses, not, or at least we need to change what <laughs> the system. Yeah, exactly. So and, and that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I don't blame her teacher for that individually or specifically. I just, I find, I find the question marks around this semester, around this year. I find he, the parents bitching about, you know, standardized testing and all that. She's like, guys, just chill the fuck out. Like, we're we are all going through something that none of us have lived through before. They're fine. You know, I got some good I got some good advice. It, fe- it seemed a little bit too big to chew off or to excuse me, too big to chew at the time. And it might still be, but you know, I've got parents that I work with through our pods, and there's a lot of expectation setting there and communication for COVID safety and all that. And you know it was encouraged that, you know, the parents are the biggest advocates. The The school district will listen to the parents. They're not going to listen to yeah. me as a partner organization, but they will listen to parents. And so do we send the emails to the district to, or adamant? Like, I don't want my kid to be in the situation where they're missing assignments, even though they did it because of the, you know, like, I don't want that for my kid right now. I want this. And so, you know, what do we need to do collectively as parents to communicate that? Cause I think yeah. it's pretty ubiquitous. I can't imagine there's a parent out there that's like, no, 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 they got to get ready for the test. Sure. Um, I, there probably is, but I think we all kind of see the bigger picture. And so maybe it's our job to communicate that up a little bit more, you know, be that voice. I completely agree. I think, I think school for many parents are a, a, point to check out and not take responsibility. I, I, I think parents can be, especially now, I think it's a, a pivot point. I I think parents can be the, the voice, just like you said, to, to have change. The problem is it's not our system and we don't, we just, we don't, we know it's broken, but we don't know the right screams to scream. And we don't know. Isn't it our system though? Do I? 
isn't it our system? No, cor- I, mean, I agree. That, I mean, However, we're not marching and we don't know the school system. We just know it could be a damn lot better. But what are the concern is 35 screaming parents in a unified voice. What's that going to accomplish? Because we're not educators. So we lack the conversations in the right. We know what we want for our kids, but we lack the diction to no, be able to say it appropriately. You know your kid, but you know what you need. Your kids need more than anybody. And that's yeah. the most important. You're, you're exactly right. It yeah. gets to the whole I think it gets the whole thing. It it could be it can be as small as what you and that's not small, but it can be as I always get micro and macro screwed up. So I'm not even going to attempt to do that. And I just admitted my own fault it's right the there word, again. Dude. But it can be it can be as small as it's your own kid, or it can be as large as it's your school, it's your district, it's your whatever. And I think that's that piece where, as much as we we don't want to go down the political route here, like that's that piece where. Mike and I don't have degrees in education. We're not educators, but we could serve on our school boards. We could run for those positions. We could, we, you can, you can create and cite that change on that level. Um, that's more than just sending an email, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's these opportunities to create it, but it's, it's not something that I think a lot of us spent time as parents thinking about as much as we have in the last eight to 10 months with COVID and everything changing. Right. Is that because you were too busy with other things? You know, I, I no, it's because it didn't matter as much, right? I mean, I mean, honest to God, it yeah. who the fuck you cared, but you didn't you didn't have to care as much as you have to care now. Now you have to fucking care. Like yeah, seeing it. We had to make a decision for our daughter, for our schools by November 6th, if we were gonna send our kids back to school on January 8th, or whatever the fuck it is. Like right. I have two months. There's two months of shit that can change right there. Yeah. With COVID and everything. But that's a choice you had to make. I am much more engaged with our school board, our, you know, with all of it as far as their decisions and their meetings and what's going on because I have to be now or I've chosen to be now because there's a reason to be now, right? I would argue you can be heard more now too. Well, it's, it's pliable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the most pliable it's been in yes. years. And I think that's where the opportunity yes, lies. Yes. When you ask me, what are we going to do? Or, you know, is this going to have long term effects? Hell yeah, it is. What What are the long term effects are still to be seen? You know, it's, I think perhaps what we're talking about right now is a piece of that. You know, it's pliable. It's, this is the chaos that creates the change. So um, maybe that is the next thing that's about to come come on the docket for you know national attention i don't know so bring that back well, down. gentlemen one, looks one like all of us are going to join some school boards let's do it right <laughs> hold on i have one more question on this and then mike will move off of it but take you have a two and a half year old uh, you have a, your your background is in all of this <clears throat> we're all watching this unfold over the next little bit where are you when your daughter goes to kindergarten like is it is it falling into the traditional ways of education and school? Because there, and I'm again, this is not a conversation where we're beating up our educators, our 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 ways. Because there's nothing wrong. Their hearts are in the right place. They are the right. It's the it's the system through in it. So are you just it's going the, into it as a more educated um, consumer? of the system or are you looking for different routes for your daughter 
because of what you know and what you do. Yeah, I, I just want to start by saying I'm grateful that I'm not in a position of a school age child. We do we do go to daycare. Um, I I don't know yet. I have to be honest. We don't Fair know. Enough. Our life situation will continue to change. My wife's in grad school right now. Um, and when she graduates, we'll be in a very different position than we are right now. And yeah, we may be in a different location. We, we don't know. Um, I have a desire, no matter what we do, to travel with my family in the next seven to 10 years for a year, like a sabbatical. It's part of the super cool. Well, nature plays also kind of like that. Like, you know, I want to be curious. And so when I travel, I want to take that with me and, you know, feed it. I want to feed yeah. that project with a year away and whatever my wife's doing. Um, so there's this, you know, I'm kind of in that setup stage. I'm tilling the, you know, actually I could go no till agriculture. I'm, <laughs> You're sowing the land, <laughs> sowing the land. Yeah. Sowing the land. I'm surveying yes. um, what my options are. And uh, I consider myself lucky to even have the choice. We all have a choice, right? But Fair I feel enough. I feel lucky to be conscious of the choice that I have. So I don't know. I could do it myself. I could see myself being a small homeschool leader with a you know a couple. That kids was kind of what I, I was. If I had to bet, that's kind of what I felt like your answer was going to be. <laughs> I, but that's not my answer. It's I could see that too. Um, yeah. But I could also see us being on a very like normal trajectory, and I'm like a real pain in the ass of the school board because I'm real involved. You know, <laughs> like yeah, man. That's, that could be, that could be that too. I, I don't know. I've got, I've got an uncle that is um, one of my mom's brothers, which it's funny. My mom's family, so many of them have spent time in education in one form or another, but um, he, he, he's a high school teacher in Danbury, Connecticut, and he's a part of the teachers union up there and is a, you know, a big old freaking squeaky wheel for teachers and for the system and for what they're doing. And I mean, I think it's great. I think there's, there's, there's a lot of merit to, understanding the system and, and being able to be the squeaky wheel, you know? Well, Paul, if you, know, if you just, want to move to Asheville with okay. me, uh, you and I can homeschool together and start a union. <laughs> I'm all for it, buddy. Yeah. Hey man. Mike doesn't do math. <laughs> so <laughs> I told, I no, I hate math. When I was teaching, I used to sweat. My armpits get all sweaty when I was teaching. <laughs> but you know, there's people out there that can teach math. But, you know, it's kind of to, well, I can't remember what I was going to say, but, um, yeah, I, I, there's a lot of options. There are a lot of fun options. Oh, this is what I was going to say. Like to kind of cap it off the, I don't believe that nationally they know what's good for your kid. You know, what's good for your kid. Your town knows what's good for your kid because of what your town is like. Yeah. And I do think that nationally there needs to be some supports, but I do think that I would love to see a little more independence, autonomy from those local school districts. Yeah. They, you know, you could probably ism that, but you don't need to like, that's just, I think that your kid is, you know, exactly what you need your kid to be. And I think that anybody that tries to tell you different is full of shit. And you should listen to your instinct. Well said, man. It's a lot to learn. I think that's very it's a lot fair. to learn for uh, parents as well uh, to be able to take the right path. Because just like you said, man, I can see me uh, running a 
full-blown homeschooling organization or being the squeakiest wheel on the school board or being the president of the school board. Like, I don't know which yeah, stance. Yeah. Um, hey, Mike, I can kind of see you being a class mom. Like, I could see you throwing on some hooker heels. Oh, I got that down, buddy. I got that down, buddy. I could see that. Why Why is that? <laughs> why is that a class mom to you? All right, whatever. Good for you, Palmer. Um, Because that's how class moms <laughs> I'm dress. I'm, I'm laughing at that because I'm uncomfortable. I don't know anything about <laughs> I know nothing about class moms. Uh, Palmer goes to a different kind of school. Uh, well, it sounds like, sounds like it. it. Sounds like it. it was Catholic school, right? You you did Catholic school, wasn't Catholic that it? School, All right, baby. that's what it was. Um, there it is. You know, I, hey, hey, I can do that with you, Palmer. Twelve years, buddy. <laughs> hey, <laughs> high five. <laughs> that's funny. Boys, are we ready to hit up some rapid fire questions? Still, Paul, sir. Oh, no, I have a question oh. first. <laughs> oh, please bring it to the table. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't normally do this in in our in our show but I uh I do have a question even though I had an opportunity earlier to tons, ask it. Tons of t- t- tons I of you, opportunities. Uh, I actually intentionally waited just to fuck <laughs> with you cuz I wanted you to have to deal with it when you edited. In our in our uh in our our uh, form we sent out to all of our guests beforehand, you know, we we always ask to help to get us to know help us to get to know you a little bit better. And you mentioned some of your favorite books, and you said all you said was Steinbeck. What's uh, what's your favorite John Steinbeck? I didn't put. That's all I put on books. Well, no, you put a couple things. You put East of Eden, Steinbeck, which I know is his, but like, were there are there more, or is that your? Uh, well, East of Eden for sure, but you know, I actually just saw my bookshelf. Uh, Moon is down is another one that I really enjoyed, which is you did it appropriately. You did comma Steinbeck semicolon. So that he was saying he East of he Eden did. Steinbeck. I'm, I'm rereading that it now out. and I'm realizing that I fucked up. I'm rereading it now and realizing <laughs> that I fucked up. I am admitting fault. Everybody needs to get off my uh, back. It's only allowed in a parent <laughs> role. I, uh, no, I appreciate Here's the reason I asked. Here's the reason <laughs> yeah. I asked. We had another guest on our show a couple months back, Joseph Carr. He's the founder of Josh Wines, and he mentioned Travels with Charlie. And I've never read that book, and I have. It's been I've ordered it, and it's I don't think I've gotten it in yet. But anyways, it's on my list to read. And I was I was texting with my uncle, the one I was telling you about, who's a teacher in Danbury, Connecticut, yeah. um, and I asked him if he had ever read it, and he said. Yeah, it's really good. He's like, that's one of my favorites. And Tortilla Flat is another one of his favorites. And I've never read that one either. And I've got that on my on my wish list to get. So I just I think, travel, was, I think Travels with Charlie is like semi-autobiographical or autobiographical. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have I have not read that one. That um, one, it seemed very up your alley from just what I've read about it and what Joseph Carr was telling us about it. And it, it's you know, it's all about traveling across the country and the experiences and the journey. So it it just it had a very you vibe to it. So I was curious if you had read it, man, which is really what I should have asked instead of so, I, this has nothing to do with travels with Charlie, but my wife is so tired of this joke and I'm not sure it's a joke, but I really want to do a covered wagon, like a horse drawn covered oh. wagon back across the country when I come back to the Midwest. So I want to go like reverse Oregon trail oh. covered wagon. I, so that that's like, she she's like we're never gonna do that stop talking about it. it's not funny and in my mind i'm like i need to figure out where to get some wheels 
<laughs> would you modernize it at all? Well, it was kind of like, I'm thinking like, it would be like marketed, like a reverse Oregon trail. Uh-huh. Like we'd have Wi-Fi, we'd stop in, there'd be like a PR bin to it. And yeah, it would absolutely be modernized. Like go-kart powered. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like the, it'd be like a, a pull behind trailer on pulled by a horse. I don't know. I got to learn about horses too. So there's a lot, lot to do, lot before, to do but... on that project. <laughs> well, keep, keep us abreast of that conversation. Cause I want to see how that goes. <laughs> That'd be epic. That'd be epic. Okay. Gentlemen, are we ready now for some, what we've deemed is we've, we're recoining it because we, we just lie. Let's be honest. So are we ready for the not so rapid, rapid fire questions? I am ready. All right, Paul, sir, as we say here at Wake Dad, Drink, Repeat, say the first thing that comes to mind. There are no wrong answers, but don't get it wrong. Do you understand the rules of this engagement? Tenuously. Bring it. All right, question number one, drink of choice. Scotch. What kind of scotch? I should have drank scotch tonight. I'm sorry. You even wrote that on your form, and I I could have been drinking scotch, but I wasn't. You know, smoky scotch, just like that. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh man, the like a rusty nail, like a real smoky. Gosh. All out PD, the PD the better. Yeah, absolutely. And then nice e- like ESBs, like that pull. I don't know if if you've never had the opportunity to have like a proper pull cask, extra special bitter. There's a brewery in Indianapolis called the Broad River Brew Pub, and they've got they're the first brewery in Indianapolis, or at least the oldest. Um, man, they got this pull cask ESB that I just salivate huh i like it bravo i would argue if they were the first they're also the oldest i think those are one of the uh, same come gone, i'm sure oh well said i'll give you that <laughs> um good stuff i like it all right next question paul favorite band artist musician whatever wow edward sharp and the oh Oh God! That, that's so well yes. said. That's the first time that, we've had that. Yes, I've got, it's a first. Only because I heard him on the radio the other day, and it was surprising. And there's a great documentary with them and Mumford and Sons. Yes, 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 yep. yes, yes. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, Mumford and Sons, them. Oh my God! No, no, no. Austin to Boston. Nope, not Austin to Boston. Um, Told you about that whole head exploding thing from him. It's so real. I'm trying to remember the name, Mike, because I, I own it because it's so it. freaking it's good. Old. It's Old Crow Medicine Show and Mumford and & Sons and Edward Sharp and Magnetic Zeros. And there's one part where they are high as fuck on something dancing out in a field. And it is it is the best hour and a half of musical <laughs> well, I documentary. Was, I, was living, I was living in Thailand in the jungle at that time, way isolated from like the culture that I love most. And that documentary was like a rock to me. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of bands I could name, but Edward, I just heard them on the radio. Such cool style. Um, yep. Big Easy Express. Big Easy Express. There it is. Good so for that's you guys. Actually, Get on a train in San Francisco and they take it yeah, yeah, all yeah. the way to New that's Orleans. That's actually a retake of, I believe, a 1972 Grateful Dead tour. Yep. With yep. the same thing. It's a really? tour journey, yeah. Yep. It's a, I'm sure, it, that was in the, I'm pretty that. sure that was in the documentary you claimed to own. Okay, I'm pretty sure that's part. Of, I'm pretty sure that's drunk. part of the story. All right. Okay, Shut all right, whatever. Just all right, next question. Not so rapid, rapid fire question. No, 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 no. We're going to talk about this for a we second. Could... There is a scene in that documentary where Marcus Mumford and the rest of the Mumfords go into a high school and that's they get right. a freaking marching band 
to play behind them on, I think it was the cave. And oh my God, it is. I am as soon as we're done recording this, I'm going to watch it <laughs> because it is still one of, I get goosebumps I, I every time I watch it. I the jorts that the, I think the banjo yeah. player is wearing in that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Might He's be big a, on the jorts. If you, if you want to see somebody do the like banjo hump and hip roll, Mike does it really I do well. it. I do it very well. I'm pretty on point. He does it very I'm pretty well. Pretty on point. He does it. it very well. I've, I've studied. <laughs> I've studied. All right. Next question for you, Paul. Most annoying song, show, or movie that you've had to listen to because you've been playing it for your kid. For your two and a half. Yeah, year old. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it's probably self-inflicted for a two and a half year old. Like, but do you have an annoying song yet? Baby Shark, and I yeah. haven't had to listen. Somebody taught my daughter Baby Shark, so she sings it, and yeah, I'm trying okay. to thwart it off. Like my, uh, this is a great question. My Spotify 2020, like my, it's rolling out. Up. Yep, my, yeah, yeah. it's Imagine, Fly to the Bumblebee, which is a, a orchestra where we run around. The, that's Fly yeah, to the yeah. Bumblebee is what was like a COVID thing that developed. We throw Fly to the Bumblebee on, crank it up, and then just run around our house. Yep, that's um, awesome. So imagine, let it be. I learned a shit ton about the Beatles. I knew a lot about the Beatles, but my daughter, like, she can name them from the Let It Be cover. She can name them all properly. And then, uh, like, a lot of David Bowie. My, she's going to be a really cool music person. I've not good. like, I'm trying to be a cool dad, but it's probably going to be obnoxious. Like, check out the music my daughter knows. Like, that's really obnoxious, but it's better than <laughs> the baby shark. Indeed, indeed. Well Agreed. played. Agreed. Um, all right. Next question for you. What has been your most embarrassing moment as a dad so far? Oh, I went to embarrassing moment of high school right away. So I didn't think about being, <laughs> um, God, I have no problem being embarrassed, but I can't. That's a fair answer. I don't, I don't know. I like at, at two and a half, man, you just feel like you're, you're such a, a young dad role that there's, there's no embarrassment. Yeah. It is what it is. Is is how it turns like, out. <laughs> like i don't know what i perceive but like i just like clam up like when i get angry i'm like i can see my face internalized like, like yeah I can see it. But that's not really embarrassing i don't know um i bet let me go with my wife she'll name a couple <laughs> that's, that's awesome that is a uh We'll, we'll let that count that's as an awesome. answer. I think that's good. That's fun. <laughs> um, next question for you, sir. What's the dumbest thing you did as a kid that you hope Maribel doesn't do? I uh, I had this plastic golf set that was in the garage. And I, I can remember just like calling my friends over and be like, hey, check this out. And just peeing in it. And just... <laughs> I thought this was gonna go so many different directions, but it just ended with you taking a piss and beating the shit out of her or something. I just started peeing. I just remember, and then like it's a plastic like Fisher Price thing, so it was coming through the cracks. Oh, that's funny. I look back now, I'm like, what were you doing? No, cool, cool move, dude. (laughs) I can remember the kids like being like, "Ew!" I'm like, "Oh yeah." No, look at me, look at me, guys. I pissed in Fisher Price. I'm good. That's not how you win friends, apparently. <laughs> That's awesome. The most embarrassing thing is it's still not working. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still doing it to this day. Uh, it's funny. not great for me. That's funny. Uh, all right, Paul, last question to you. What trait of yours 
do you hope that Mirabal inherits? Oh, um, I hope she's ambitious and bounces back fast. Well said, dude. That's an awesome answer. I have very little doubt that that will not happen. Judging by our, our brief conversation that we have had this evening, I, I am sure that that will pass along. Thanks. It's epic, man. Um, Paul, sir, one, you passed our rapid fire questions. Thank you for your glowing answers. Well done. And um, please tell us, um, tell our viewers, plug Wild Nature Placer. Um, how can people find um, what you do? So Wild Nature Play, wildnatureplay.com. Um, I have an Instagram. I have it's a Facebook. good URL choice, brother. Yeah. I'm a, I was happy to, that it existed. <laughs> sure, um, sure. It was still available, rather. Um, most exciting thing for me is it, it kind of laid dormant. I had to, you know, I got it kicked off in uh, September, October of last year, and then kind of built it up, and then COVID hit and really had to re-put energy over the last couple months. I've been working with somebody to launch brand. We got a new branding. I'm looking at some different models. And um, so in the next, you know, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, when you go there, it'll be new branding. You'll see some new content up and um, making some new collaborations. So my, uh, my request is as a parent, if you um, were inspired by what I had to say, um, reach out and let me know what you think and have a chat. You know, I've got a, a parent consultation feature on there that I'm really proud of. And I like talking to parents, but, um, if you tell me you heard me through wake, you know, um, or wake, wake dad, drink, repeat, um, you know, I, I'll talk to you for free and just, I just want to have a conversation with you and hear what you're thinking and hear what your struggles are and hear what your desires are. So that's cool, man. Awesome, that's man. cool. Um, Oh man, thank you. Like, honestly, thank you for your story and sincerely thank you for what you do. Um, I, I love the track that you're on and I love what you bring to the world and serve to the community, man. It's a really cool space that you're in and thank you for it. I really appreciate it. You guys have been great. This is a wonderful podcast too. Kudos to you for, for doing this. I know it's a journey and it's, uh, by the, by the looks of Mike's background, you know, refinement <laughs> and, and a lot of alcohol involved. Just, uh, <laughs> did it? The floating shelf pulled it all together. Well, thanks, man. It's a fun journey, man. Uh, we like what we're doing, and uh, it's one hundred percent self-serving for Palmer and I, man. It's a, it's always a fun fun evenings for ourselves. You know, the it's I'll end it with this: my perspective on your cover photo of like you guys kind of sharing drinks a little bit. Like, it was oh, I'd clear- love to hear this. It was clear that that was so much fun for you and that your wives were doing a lot of eye rolling. <laughs> okay. Well, it's really, it's amazing that you have that much insight into it because Mike was in town. My wife was in the yard with a camera on a tripod going, y'all are a bunch of fucking idiots. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and that was it. That, that was and pretty we much it. There, and we were sitting there laughing our asses off doing it. So I'm glad that that, I'm glad that message came. Oh, it's great. And it's, oh, it's great, man. exactly what it should be. That's amazing, dude. Because I, a lot of times look at that photo and go, <laughs> we kind of look like we're in a relationship with each other. Like I'm not, <laughs> No, it's what I want to be doing with my buddies. Uh, I, I'd love to have I'd love to have a reason to drink and talk to nice people with my buddies. So I, indeed, hey man, connection this made. Is, uh, it, 
That is that is spot on, brother. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love that you completely just called us on our shit with that, and you were one hundred percent accurate. <laughs> love it, Paul, sir. Thank you. Oh, all right. Well, Paul Humes, we will uh, we will look forward to keeping tabs on you, brother, and um, and seeing where things go. And thank you for your time, and thanks for sharing your story with yeah. us, man. All right, today's dad definition of staring at a beer store wall is pretty <laughs> on point in comparing it to the the options that were around decades ago versus the options um, that are around today. On point, Paul, sir, for kind of uh, being super on brand for us and uh, who we are for a definition and uh, what we are, man. It's pretty yeah, it was man. a cool Very story. fun definition. Very fun episode. Really enjoyed our conversation with Paul. So big thanks to him again for joining us um, guys for anybody who missed it because we did things a little bit funky to wrap out the year. We did drop our uh, Rick house episode for December back on the 21st. So if you missed our December Rick house, go back and check it. Um, and you can also head to our website and sign up for our mailing list and get the Rick house sent as a newsletter the last Friday of every month. Guys, as we close out 2020, thank you so much for hanging with us this year. Thank you for being part of this Wake Dad Drink P community. We truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, a.k.a. the last one of the year. Pretty crazy, dude. And as always, remember to wake, dad, drink, repeat. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. Our show music is written and performed by Jordan Burris and produced by Jordan Burris and Asher Smith. We always love hearing from you. Head to wakedaddrinkrepeat.com, send us guest recommendations, or give us your thoughts on the show.